Hi, my name is Franco. I'm the editor and co-founder of PropMoto, and welcome to an episode of our Metatrends podcast, where we look at the bigger picture when it comes to the things changing the property industry. Making a building comfortable is hard. Humans don't have a lot of leeway when it comes to comfort. The authoritative body on building operations when it comes to temperature and air quality is the American Society of Heating, Refrigerating, and Air Conditioning Engineers, or ASHRAE. They recommend that a building's normal inside temperature never go outside of a 15 degree zone, between 67 and 82 degrees Fahrenheit. But even this is probably too generous from a user's perspective. If an office starts to get into the 70s, you better believe that at least one person is going to complain. And this is only the temperature. The engineers that run buildings also have to consider humidity, air circulation, and the speed of the temperature change. All of this makes for a very precise set of instructions that every building must run in order to keep all of us content. Creating these instructions is an amazingly complicated task. Even a small building has hundreds of pieces of equipment, like heaters, chillers, fans, exhaust, intakes, air handlers, control units, and thermostats. There are also dozens of external factors that can affect how a building needs to react each day, like outside air temperature and humidity, both current and expected, the occupancy and the usage of tenants. All of these change every day, and so the building systems need to do so as well. And all this needs to be done while weighing the impact of every decision on the building's energy use and ultimately profitability. So if these changes are hard to manage during normal times, they have become exponentially harder thanks to the shutdowns around the coronavirus. Overnight, building usage completely changed as people work from home and sheltered in place. This left a lot of building engineers scrambling to figure out how to adjust their operations to compensate. To understand more about how the facility management industry was adapting to these challenges, I set up a call with Logan Soya. He is the founder and CEO of AquaCore, a leading software for building management. Logan is one of the few CEOs that I have had reach out to me directly to chat about some of the things I write about. He is the opposite of an absentee founder. He lives and breathes building operations and plays an active role in the direction of his company. He also had a front row seat to what the shutdown did to buildings around the country and how they reacted. Here he is explaining why buildings need quite a bit of manual adjustments to their normal procedures. A typical office building might have 150 different pieces of equipment that are all, you know, those pieces of equipment are designed for a certain amount of thermal load and they're designed for a certain amount of, of, you know, um, they're expecting people right in the building and, and the control sequences that your BMS companies um, designed are also expecting people. And so, you know, um, it's it, it's not surprising to think that you're going to have to make some kind of some some manual adjustments in order to um, in order to accommodate for that. And and so I think some of the easy tips are, um, you know, making sure that number one, take note of what your control sequences are before you change them. You know, so that you can get your back building back to normal running condition. Number two, every building runs a little bit differently, and so it's important that you're kind of monitoring how your building responds to the changes that you're making. Um, you know, and that's where kind of again, kind of remote monitoring comes in play. 
um, to validate, you know, things that you're altering in terms of your controls. Um, but, but, you know, high level, right, uh, you know, your building was expecting a certain amount of occupants and a certain amount of thermal load. And so it's no wonder that probably the control sequences that were designed are not working right now. And so there's definitely things that you can do that are very easy to correct for that. Um, and also account for humidity, account for ventilation, and account for how to kind of ramp your building back up. So, um, you know, if you're thinking that your BMS system just took care of it automatically, I would ca strongly caution you to look into it because if you, you know, it would not be uncommon that a situation like this would cause your control sequences and on your automation system to not adhere, you know, to not optimize correctly. So. What can a team do to optimize their properties for these abnormal usages? Logan thinks that it is important to compare properties to be able to quickly see where variances are. He even recounts an incident where the building controls reacted counterintuitively to a change, costing the building owner a shocking amount of money before it was addressed. It's times like this where now you're being forced to dig deeper into your, to your building operations more so than maybe your normal reporting provides for and suddenly uh, you're realizing that you know now you're going to have to deal with kind of unique snowflake um, sort of you know sort of uh, bespoke reporting from each of your property teams and that's not an easy way to sort of collate and then manage your portfolio with so I think um, take it take note if that is something that's happening and that's an area that you'll want to try to make sure that you can mitigate and resolve um, I think from my perspective um, you know, portfolio managers, certainly I would start with making sure that you've set a baseline for yourself. Think about kind of like establishing a, a common baseline, um, you know, whether that's the first week of March or the last week of February that you can kind of compare all of your trends against um, kind of week over week that, you know, there's such variances that are occurring from one week to the next that it doesn't need to be perfect. And, you know, there's not there's not a lot of noise. It's pretty crystal clear who the leaders and who the laggards are in, t in terms of your property teams who are responding appropriately to the COVID um, outward, you know, uh, issues. And it's going to really clearly and very easily get you kind of an idea of who kind of leaders and laggards are in terms of operating performance. Obviously, you're needing to balance that against all of the other issues that you're facing, such as, um, you know, your top line rent uh, concerns and things like that. So thinking about things holistically will make sure that you're not missing um, low-hanging fruit where, you know, we've, we've, we've come across properties that, you know, their control sequences and their HVAC sequences went completely opposite than what it should have done um, because of the unusual operations. And so as a result, buildings were spending thirty dollars or $50,000 more a week than less a week. Um, and so um, a quick snapshot of your consumption and a quick snapshot of your um, of your peak demand just make is a very easy kind of heart rate monitor to spot check and see what's going on. Even though optimizing buildings with basically no relatable historical information is almost impossible, the building management industry has done a great job of figuring it out over time. Logan saw how building usage in many major metros dropped in the first few weeks after the shutdown. In the first week of COVID, we saw um, a 7% reduction in spending, um, utility spending in San Francisco, followed by a 20% reduction the next week, followed by a 25% reduction the next week, and then a 28% reduction the next week. 
Um, in D.C., it went from 5% to 12% to 17% to 25%. And so seeing those week-over-week changes has become incredibly important for people to just understand and appreciate what's going on, number one. And then number two, uh, everybody is trying to reestablish benchmarks as to what's normal again. So seeing some benchmarking data to understand how one building is doing against a peer group of buildings that are similar to them uh, in the local region or against a, a sort of a, the backdrop of a larger portfolio also is super, super valuable and super helpful. And people, everybody's kind of basically recalibrating right now. Now the buildings seem to have been able to adapt to the very limited usage that comes as a result of the pandemic. They are now tasked with understanding how the upcoming return to work will happen. I think most of us understand that the pandemic is going to impact building usage for the rest of the year. And Logan makes the point that it will also change the way property portfolios prioritize their expenditures. At, at the macro level, you know, this economy has gone through just a, such a shock. And so, you know, the priorities and the purchasing decisions and um, sort of, um, you know, the decisions that kind of the real estate ecosystem is going to make will have changed. Uh, what I mean by that is like, an event like this creates new demands and new needs. And so, um, you know, I think at a high level, there's no question that the remaining kind of 2020 year to me, uh, it's going to be a little bit more focused on cash flow and a little bit more focused on profitability and a little less focused on, on growth. And so I think you're going to see kind of trends start to shift in, 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 in the future where, um, you know, th those t decisions and toolings that may have been a little bit of a lower priority uh, previous, you know, because there isn't this kind of wild growth opportunity kind of knocking on your doorstep, um, you know, investment firms and ownership groups are going to be able to take the time to kind of double down on the, on, the, on the services needed to shore up kind of their bottom lines when their top lines are uncertain. Logan is incredibly practical. Although he runs a building management technology company, he is also the first to admit that some problems can't be solved by an algorithm. Each building is so unique and each piece of equipment is so particular that he thinks the best way to solve many of the problems faced by the building engineers is to collaborate with each other. While a software can spot a problem and give suggestions, there's often no substitute for finding someone who has already dealt with that type of problem before. This creates an opportunity to have a connected community in the facilities world that has never existed before. This is the time for community building, really, right? Like you've got, we've got a pool of, you know, um, you know, thousands of engineers that are using our software that we would love to help to connect to one another to help solve their problems. Because I guarantee you every, you know, somebody has seen the problem and, and has insight on how to provide recommendations. So to your point, I think, the the opportunity for benchmarking and the opportunity for um, you know uh, leveraging sort of wide scale data sets um, you know for peer analysis is the starting point to start a conversation right and then kind of what I would encourage this community to really think about for the next several weeks is hey this is the best chance we have to actually build a community around um, best practices around leveraging this data um, to react and respond in, in these kind of crazy times when, 
your old rules don't apply anymore. You know, like people have like two ways to to do things, right? And in, 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 to some extent, they can draw from their historical experience, or they can draw from their friends, or they can figure it out on themselves with a lot of hard work. So it's like you have like those options, right? And the last option is probably going to take you a heck of a lot longer um, than if you're doing it in in a vacuum than if you had a few um, you know friendly folks to to lean on. I think it goes without saying that buildings are in uncharted waters for the foreseeable future. This means that many building engineers will have to draw a new map and learn to navigate in new ways. It has also created an opportunity for building teams to work together. We are all sailing a bit blind thanks to the coronavirus, but at least we know that we are not the only ship in the storm. (laughs) 